Amen, amen. His love endures forever. We're just, uh, man, speaking that over our church uh, over these next few weeks. You saw it on the sign. Uh, it's not just a catchy saying. It's in the Bible. That's why we keep saying it. So um, thank you for coming to church. Welcome to church on Sunday morning. Uh, we're so grateful you decided to join us uh, at this church on Sunday morning. There's lots of churches you could go to. There's even lots of good churches you could go to. We think this is a good one, and we're grateful that you came with us today, uh, that you uh, chose to be here. If you're brand new and I haven't shaken your hand yet, uh, which I don't think I have, if you're brand new, I'd love to say hello to you afterwards out there in the lobby. I'm usually out there uh, drinking coffee, uh, saying hi. Hi. I haven't said hi to you yet. <laughs> he likes to come hang out with me. <clears throat> anyway, I'd love to say hi to you afterwards. Uh, we didn't put this in our uh, official announcements for today, but we're going to be doing our Glow and Treat at the end of October. Uh, we did this last year and uh, a version of it the year before during COVID, and we're going to do it Sunday night, October 30th, not on Halloween night. Uh, we're going to do it Sunday night, October 30th. It's a trunk or treat, uh, but uh, we're gonna hoping to have inflatables out there like we often do. Uh, we really light the place up, so each year we get more like lights to go in the trees and all over the place, so the whole place is lit up. We get these big lights from Tate's Rents that shoot down on the place, and uh, last year uh, was the first time we'd gotten the big lights uh, from Tate's Rents, and people, especially once the sun went down, uh, they saw the lights from like a mile away, and they started walking over to see what the story was, so uh, it's just a night where we can shine a light during a day that uh, the, the enemy would like to be dark. Right? We want to shine the light of God's love. We'll have information about our church, but we're not pushing anything on anyone that night. We just want to be uh, a positive force in our community and allow God's light to shine that day. So what we'll need from you is cars or trucks or vans or whatever with uh, trunks. Uh, we'll need you to, to come provide the trunk, and we'll give you more details as time gets closer. We'll have a sign-up sheet next week where you can sign up to bring a trunk or bring a car. Uh, you probably can't bring a trunk without a car. That wouldn't work very well. But anyway, we'll have a sign-up sheet for you. And uh, we're just looking forward to having you be a part of it. It was awesome last year. So we'll pray for good weather, and uh, we'll pray for safety, and we'll invite all of you to be here with us. Last week, we kicked off this series called His Love Endures Forever, uh, during which we'll be focusing on the Psalms. And our goal, my goal is to cover four different Psalms in this series. Originally, I was thinking four weeks, but like happens to most guys uh, who speak, uh, the, it was too long. So I couldn't do all of Psalm 139 last week. So it's going to be at least five weeks because this one's two, and I don't know about the next three how long they'll turn out. So uh, Psalm 139, lead me home, part two. Uh, and the reason, I think I mentioned this last week, the reason I even picked this one to do first was because we were dedicating Little Hazel last week, and this has these famous words about how God knitting us together in the womb. Uh, but I didn't even get to those verses, so... Uh, we'll tackle them today. Today we're going to be talking about verses 13 through 24. And in those preceding verses, 1 through 12, we talked about last week, we noted a couple really important things. We've got to note these so the rest of it will make a little more sense. Uh, we noted that we know God can lead us home because he knows where we're going. Right? He knows where we're going so he can lead us home. We said our destination is determined what's, by what's hidden inside of our hearts. What's down inside of us determines where we'll go, where we'll end up. And because it says in verse 1 that God has carefully searched our heart, he knows where we're headed. We see in verse 5, I mentioned to you that this is a part I really love, that God has laid his hand upon us. 
and is guiding us. I, I put a picture up there of uh, a picture of my sons and I, and I just naturally, when we take a picture or we go somewhere, I put my hand on the shoulder on their chest, right? And it's my way of saying, hey, guys, right here is where you need to be. And this is what God does with us, right? He puts his hand on our shoulder. He says, hey, son or daughter, man, right here is where you need to be. Verse 6 tells us that uh, he hems us in to keep us safe, a little bit like a sheep, right? Our, he uses our circumstances, the things going on in our life, to keep us safe. We talked about how God can lead us home because we're never far from him. When we read verse 7 through 12, we discovered that God's proximity depends only on his goodness. And we said, God is close because he is good, not because I'm good. Man, let that sink in. God is close because he is good, not because we are good. And this morning, uh, we've got three more things we can see in, in Psalm 139 that show us how God leads us home. One of them is this. God leads us home because he has a purpose for us. Purpose for us. Let's read together this morning uh, this really well-known passage. If you've got your Bible, Psalm 139, 13 through 18. Turn in your paper Bibles or your devices or your brain, wherever it is, uh, turn there. And we're going to read. I'm reading another NIV to you uh, this morning. It says this. This is David speaking, by the way. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Man, what a beautiful passage. There's a reason it's pretty famous because, man, that's poetic and beautiful. We're going to spend a, a good chunk of our time on those verses today. Because within these six verses, I believe, is this basic tenet of what we believe. If you believe in God, if you are a believer, if you're a Christian, there's a basic thing in here that we have to believe. You'll clear back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, right? Most of you, some of you may know this story that God created the heavens and the earth. That's Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis 2-7, such an interesting verse, it says that God breathed life into Adam's nostrils. He was just a form until God breathed life into him. And just a little bit before that is this verse that, man, so much centers around. Genesis 1-27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Notice that word created in there, right? God created us. And you know, there's something uh, incredibly unique about being a creator. There's this buzzword in 20, 2022 about being a creative, right? When, when I was a kid and you asked someone what they wanted to be when they grow up, uh, it was like baseball player, astronaut. You ask a kid now, it's like, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a creative. I want to be a creative dad. My kids haven't said that. They want to be dinosaur scientists and baseball players still, but I'm sure it's coming. And we as humans, we tend uh, to put those who we think are very creative in this realm that we can't reach. And it is true. God has given different people incredible and unique gifts. 
I want you to think just for a moment as we talk about some of the people or the things that to you are incredibly creative because we've all got them, things that move our hearts. Different things move different people's hearts in different ways, right? We all have different interests, things we think are amazing. For example, music is a form of art. It's an artistic expression, right? There's art itself, like paintings and drawings and abstract paintings and stuff. You can tell that's not one of the things I think is awesome. Um, books or writing is an artistic thing, right? Someone can, some people can write words down, but man, people, some people can really write words down. Photography is something that is, can be a, uh, an artistic thing. Even sports, believe it or not, can be artistic. There's uh, people all over the world. It's not as popular in the United States, but all over the world, soccer is known as the beautiful game. Because when it's played well, it's like almost like a painting. Now, for me, I'd much rather watch a pitcher's duel. Give me a nine-inning baseball game that's one nothing with two hits in it. That would be amazing. I mentioned to you on Wednesday night, I think it was Wednesday night, about how my wife, she can get lost in a book like very few people I know in the entire, that I've ever met in my life. I, my family that's here, they would uh, amen this. She can, we could be like watching a football game. It could be the craziest thing ever, and she'll just be buried in the book, man. Don't even notice. Now, I love to read, and I appreciate a good book. Uh, I really do. Um, I have always been a pretty good reader. I thought I was a really good reader until I met my wife, and she can read like four times as fast as me, and I'm not exaggerating. It's infuriating how fast she can read and just remember it all. Certain books I love, but uh, certain writing moves her in a way that it doesn't move me. Even the books that I love the most, they, they don't move me like they move her. Art is something that, like, you know, a picture I'm talking about that's painted, uh, something that many people are mesmerized by. Uh, I don't know how many of you are art critics or fans of art, but it just doesn't really move me that much. I see a painting, and I think, man, that looks like it took forever. That looks like that was a lot of drawing, and I don't really like drawing. <laughs> that's what, when I see art, that's what it seems like to me. It seems like it took forever. And, I mean, I can appreciate that. It looks complicated. It looks difficult. I could never do that, but it just doesn't move me that much. I mentioned photography a few minutes ago. I would never have said that uh, photography was a form of art until we met one of our friends, uh, Megan, about 10 years ago. Hope some of you get a chance to meet her someday. They, her and her husband pastor a church in Nampa, and they come to camps and stuff. But Megan, she can do things with a camera in a setting that I never thought were even possible. And here's what I mean. Have you ever met any people uh, who, no matter what they do, they cannot take a good picture? Anyone like that? I'm raising my hand because I'm that person. Until we met Megan, somehow every time she takes her filming pictures, uh, somehow she takes a good picture of me. Somehow she takes a picture when I'm smiling. Somehow, you know, our boys, you've seen them. They're good boys, but they're nine and seven. They got plenty of energy. Somehow, some way, she captures them uh, in a way that makes sense and shows exactly who they are. I don't know how she does it except that God has put a gift inside of her. I would not have said photography was a gift until we met Megan. Now, there are certain musicians for sure that I admire on, on this level that personally I know that I could, could never reach. I know like a lot of you, a lot of people love music. There are certain songs that for me, man, they hold really, really deep meaning. If, if you could see like all the things in my life, you would see random song lyrics like scrawled all over things. On my guitar pedals, on the background of my computer screen, just little bits and pieces of lyrics that mean a lot to me. And for, for you guys, though, 
they probably wouldn't mean that much because they mean a lot to me. And the opposite is also true. The songs that mean a lot to most of you, they probably wouldn't mean too much to me because they reach your heart in a specific way. I do tend to respect someone's love for a song because I feel the same way about the songs I love, but I could take the leave, take or leave the song that you love. That's fine. But for me, songs are this really interesting thing because that's the, probably the closest thing that I'm really uh, artistic about because I do know how to play an instrument. I'm somewhat proficient and sometimes even good at copying what someone else does. So I can, like, listen to a song on the radio. Sometimes I need to look up the, the chart online or whatever. And I can sit down and I can copy it all day long in many cases. I can copy a bass line or, or a guitar riff and copy it. Especially with bass, I've just uh, played a lot when I was younger. And sometimes I can hear a thing on the radio and I can envision, like, how to play it. Like where to put my fingers on the fretboard and how I can make it sound just like that. And I think that sounds really cool, but it's really not. It's just mostly, a, you know, God's given me a little bit of musical gifting and lots of experience. So it's kind of just a cool trick. <laughs> it's really not that impressive. But the thing is, uh, what I can't do, at least at this point in my life, is I can't sit down and write a song from scratch by myself. Believe me, I've tried to do it. You lead worship for 10 years, and everyone in their dog writes worship songs. You're like, I'm going to write one. I just can't do it. I sit down, and I try. And you know what? It comes out sounding like this, whatever song I heard five minutes ago <laughs> or five days ago. They all sound the same. No matter what I do, man, I cannot make it sound any different. Believe me, I've tried. And you know something about songs? This is just the form of art I'm focusing on for a minute here. You know something about songs? Is that some of the most well-known songs that you've heard, uh, they were written in just a few minutes. I mean, I've spent a half a day trying to come up with, like, a verse that's cool. And some of these songs that are famous have been written in a few minutes. One of the Beatles' most famous songs, it's called Yesterday. Most of it came to Paul McCartney in a dream, and he woke up and he wrote it down. He dreamed the entire thing. He woke up, scrawled it, like, on a napkin or a piece of paper or something in a few minutes. One of the most famous songs of all time. For some of you in this place who were younger, I tried to pick something, you know, been around for a long time, some newer. There's this song by the White Stripes called Seven Nation Army. Just so I know, anyone know the song Seven Nation Army? A few people. All oh, right, we got a few. If you've ever, yeah, 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 Manasseh is doing a thing. If you've ever been to a football game, you've probably heard it because it's this thing they always play. It's that song. The band's called the White Stripes. The guy that wrote its name is Jack White. Him and his wife are in the band. And he wrote the main part of that, that thing that is just famous. Most of you in this place would recognize it, even if you don't listen to the White Stripes, which most of us probably don't. Um, he wrote most of that on a whim during a sound check. They were getting ready for another show, and he just randomly came up with it. And he's like, man, I should write that down. Those are two songs, and uh, I know they probably only speak to specific sections of you here. But I believe even musicians or songwriters, artists who would not profess to be believers, I believe that God put that gifting that created the song inside of them. Even if they're not using it for his glory, I believe that God put the gift in them. I know he did because of what it says in Psalms as we're going to dig into it. But to start to narrow the focus a little bit, there's a song that I know 100% in you have probably heard, 100% of you in here have probably heard called I Can Only Imagine. Right, we've heard that one. There's a movie made on it. This song has sold 2.5 million copies. I've sung that song at funerals. Uh, 
It was written by this guy named Bart Millard, and he fronts a band called Mercy Me that you hear on the radio all the time if you listen to Christian radio stations. But he wrote, I can only imagine, it sold 2.5 million copies, and we all know he wrote that song in 10 minutes. He's quoted as a saying, it's one of three songs he's ever written where he felt like he was a spectator watching it happen. And it's really cool because these are songs that people spend hours dissecting, but they were created in a matter of minutes. And with any type of creative process, I'm sure if we were sitting there, um, these people that create these things, they are relentlessly detailed and driven as they create. Someone who can paint or write uh, words or a song, they see or they hear things that other people don't see as they write or paint or play. To them, it's just the most natural thing in the world. But for us, even if we watch them do it step by step, we can't replicate the process. And why is that? Well, Psalm 139 gives us a clue, but it's because every creative was put together by God, who is the ultimate creative. As naturally as anyone on this earth creates something, God just as naturally created every single one of us. If you are sitting in this place, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God created you. God was inspired to create every one of us, just like an artist is inspired to create something. And it's spelled out for us right here in Psalm 139. We're going to dig into this scripture a little bit. Listen to what David says. If you've got your Bibles, continue to follow along. I'm quoting the New Living Translation here to you as we work our way through these verses just as another kind of point of reference. Verse 13 says this, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. That's an incredible thought. Did you know your body contains over 100,000 miles of blood vessels, including veins and arteries? That's if you include the ones within your organs. 100,000 miles of blood vessels. Did you know that your eyes blink in 100 milliseconds? I mean, I could quote facts like that, amazing human body facts to you all day. But the thing is that God, who's the ultimate creator, he saw every one of us as this blank canvas. And as we were formed in the womb, and I believe uh, strongly from the moment of conception, he began to create us from the ground up. He began to knit us together. Just as an artist uh, begins to write or draw or sing. He began to knit us together from nothingness, from scratch. And to me, this is absolutely mind-blowing because as David puts it, he says this, uh, verse 14, the NLT, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. See, friends, we can start to understand God's purpose for us when we understand how lovingly he created us. You can understand God's purpose for you when you understand how much care he put into you. But the Bible is telling us that every single detail was thought out and it was carried out by him painstakingly. And this, by the way, is why we believe every single life is worthwhile. Because God didn't make any of them by accident. And you know, a lot of times we only see uh, the finished product when seeing something that someone else has created. Those songs I was talking about that are written in a few minutes the recording process probably took a little longer than that. But the reality is that the most formative work is often done in the dark. The paintings in a quiet room, the practice is in a quiet room, 
The song's probably written in a quiet room. And that's what David tells us about God. Verse 15 and 16, the NLT says this. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So see, just as an artist paints in the quiet of his studio, or maybe a musician writes in front of his piano, God designed all of us fearfully and wonderfully in the quiet of the womb. All of those uncopyable, unique, and creative gifts, man, God designed each of those lovingly. Every gift you have, you need to know that God designed those lovingly. That's what his word says. You see, God, he can lead us home because he has a purpose for us. And he has a purpose for us because he knit us together in our mother's womb. That's what verse 16 is telling us. He gave us the gifts, and he gave us a purpose that we can accomplish using those gifts. If you're sitting in this place, you're hearing the sound of my voice, and you're like, I don't know what to do with my life. Uh, you know, I'm not worth anything. God has a purpose for you. He knit you together. He made you, and he knows you, and he has a purpose for you. Those things that move your heart powerfully that I was talking about, this is why I spent a minute on it uh, a few minutes ago. Those things that move your heart powerfully, the song or the art or the writing or the, the sports or whatever, God created you to be moved by those things. And he also created the gifts and the others that would move you. The most creative things that you can think of, God made all of them. There's people for sure that would not attribute their creativeness to God, but what his word tells us is that God made all of them. And as beautiful as that is, I think that's incredible. As beautiful as that is, it's not even my favorite part. Because what gives every human value is not the gifts that God has given us. What gives every human value is what God thinks about us. Let that sink in. God, the creator of the universe, thinks about you. That's what these next two verses uh, 17 and 18 tell us, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I'm awake, I'm still with you. You grasp what that's saying here? God's thoughts towards us are precious. And when something is precious, right, that's a, it's a human word. When something is precious, that means it is of great value. It's something that's not to be wasted or treated carelessly. You have precious jewels in your house, right? You lock them up, you keep them safe, you keep them nice and, and fancy and clean. In fact, works, works of art are often called precious. So know today, friends, what David is saying here is that all of us are precious works of art that God has created. And God's thoughts towards us, I love the word used there, God's thoughts towards us are vast. Vast is just another way of saying that something cannot be numbered. So God's thoughts towards us are not only precious, but there are so many of them that they can't be defined. So many that they outnumber the grains of sand. Just for reference, one handful of sand is about 10,000 grains. God's thoughts towards us are precious, and they can't be numbered. You see, we know God has a purpose for us. Even the most creative people that have ever walked this earth because he lovingly and he uniquely created us. And we are on his mind. 
That's what you need to know, friends. If you don't, have not known where God is in your life, right here in Psalm 139, you need to know that you are on his mind. His thoughts towards you are precious. They cannot be counted. So much attention and detail that can't even be defined. And because of that purpose that he has created us for, he can ultimately lead us home. Because he knit us together in our mother's womb, he can ultimately lead us home. And the place he leads us home is to him. In these next couple verses, we can see that God leads us home when we identify with him. I talked last week as I kind of introduced the Psalms, uh, the Psalms messages that they're meaningful to me because within them are lots of strong emotions. We're about to see some strong emotion that David writes down in here. Uh, some of the strongest emotions we ever feel as humans I have seen is when we take up the offense of others. Right? You can have an offense, but if you can get someone else to take it up for you, man, then you got something. And it can be actually healthy and productive in the, the right context. This is one of the reasons that families can be so tightly knit together. Because we identify with each other. And this is the reason you don't want to cross a mother or father when it comes to their kids. Right? We, don't we call this like mama bear syndrome or something? That's what the cool kids call it these days. The reason you don't want to do that is because we identify with the people we love. I was at a, uh, my, John and Luke both had sports yesterday. Uh, John had baseball and Luke had soccer. And, um, I don't know, if any of you have ever had kids in sports, uh, when they do something that's like kind of pressure-packed, man, it's the hardest thing as a parent. So John was pitching yesterday. He, uh, he got to pitch an inning, and I think it was more nerve-wracking for me than it was for him, right? And I don't, I mean, I don't care necessarily that he is amazing. I just want him to, like, have fun and enjoy it, and, you know, I, it would be great if he does well. But I want him to have fun and enjoy it, have a smile on his face, and he did. He struck three guys out, and every time he could not keep from like beaming with this huge smile every time someone would strike out and all the, the moms around us were just, oh, it's so cute, you know. <laughs> this other kid came up to pitch after him and he was struggling a little bit. And the kid's dad, uh, he's a great guy, but he was there. And I mean, like I kind of, I walked over to him. I said, oh, man, and it was so hard when your kid's pitching. <laughs> so hard to just sit here and watch it. He's, man, he's a nervous ball of energy. And... Uh, I said something about a tip sometimes I give John about taking a big step or something, and he did not want to hear it, man. He wanted to, like, critique his kid every single pitch. So I'm sitting there, and he's, every single pitch, man, he's got an idea, and he's, like, yelling at his kid. And, and uh, um, I realized, man, he does not want to hear what I'm saying about his son's pitching right now. Because <laughs> we identify with those that we love. For many parents, right, it's totally fine if you say something unkind towards us. We'll just chalk it up to how the world is. Well, the world's frustrating in me. But you do something unkind towards our kids, wow, you've got a whole different thing on your hands. Because we identify with those we love. The reason we do that is because our family belongs to us and we identify with them. And honestly, in a marriage, if it's healthy and it's working correctly and it's good, the things that matter to my wife even if they would not have mattered to me previously, they do now because I identify with her, right? Things that are important to her that I've made important to me and uh, 20 years ago, couldn't have cared less. But now I do because she's my wife and I identify with her. And with our kids, uh, as with baseball yesterday and whatever, you know, your kids are involved in, um, you know, with our kids, it can be uh, even more intense because when we see our kids go through stuff or struggle with stuff, we identify with them because we know where we got, where they got the gifts or the habit or the talent or 
the opposite of the talent, you know, the bad thing. We know where they got it. So it's easy to identify with their family, especially with their kids. Now here in verse 19 through 22, we see King David, he's expressing some really intense emotion. Look at those verses again uh, with me if you have your Bibles. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do you want to hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Now, David here, he's talking about something pretty serious. He's not like talking about someone not liking his kid's picture that they drew, or their kid's pitching. David's talking a serious emotion. You see that? He's talking of, of hatred. He's asking God to slay people. But... It's really important that we see where these strong feelings come from. Something we, we talked about uh, last year on Wednesday nights off and on, something we'll touch on over the next month because it's a recurring theme, is seen in verse 19. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from you, away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. David recognizes that there are people around him who are wicked and murderous. And if you walk through this world with your eyes open, you know there are people that are wicked and murderous. But notice something really important, what he says in the next verse. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. There's a distinction there because he's not saying, God, there's murderous and, and wicked people and I'm going to go slay them. Well, he says, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. You see, a righteous anger can be warranted, but vengeance is up to only God. It's up to God to take action uh, with people and not us. And the way we keep our, our anger from becoming sinful, we talked about this uh, several weeks back on a Sunday, is by giving it to God. And we allow God to act on it if we see, if we see fit. That's kind of a little aside there. Now, these people, they may very well be against David, but that's not actually the reason that he's writing it down. Notice the reason David is angry is because, not because people are against him, but they are against God. Look at what those verses say. It says, they speak of you with evil intent. Lord, they misuse your name. Even more direct. Lord, I hate those who hate you. Lord, I count them among my enemies. Now, to understand where David is coming from here, we need only to call upon the nickname that he was given in Acts chapter 13, a man after God's own heart. You see, friends, the more that we are after God's own heart, the more we begin to identify with him. And that's why David could write this down, because he identified with God. God's enemies became his enemies. If we've identified our heart with God's, then it's going to hurt us when someone says something about God that is untrue. Man, it's one of my missions in life to let people know that God is not mad at you. You may have grown up thinking that. Someone may have told you that, but God is not mad at you. You hear me quote it just about every stinking week, right? Uh, God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. God is not mad at us. In fact, he loves us sacrificially. So that part of God's heart I identify with, and when someone says something about God being angry at them, man, it's one of my missions to, to tell them it's not true. God's not mad at them. If we've identified our hearts with God's, it's going to hurt us when Someone uses the name of God to get something they want, which it's sad to say it happens. 
There are Christians who act in sinful ways, but in order to justify it, they'll quote a scripture out of context, or they'll just say, well, God told me to do that. But if we have identified ourselves with God, then it's going to hurt us to see someone use his name to manipulate. And that's what we see in David here. You see, the more that we identify with God, the more our purpose becomes one with his. And when our purpose becomes one with God's purpose, and when we remember how fearfully and wonderfully he's made us, then we can stop wondering. And we can allow God to lead us home. Finally, we come to these last uh, couple verses of Psalm 139. And they're the ones that kind of tie all of this together with this one final thought. And that's this, God will lead us home when we ask him to search our heart. If you recall, David opened this chapter with this very specific declaration. If you were here last week or you can look at it right now. Verse 1 says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. We talked last week about how uh, because God has searched us, he knows our destination. About how we are never far from him. Now, both of those things could happen in David because God had searched his heart. But one thing that David neglected to mention there in verse 1 that we see in these final two verses, let's read it together, Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, what we don't see until now is that David had asked God to search his heart. And the reason that God searches our hearts, friends, is because we ask him to. We were just talking about how David identified with God and how we can do the same. And this is a key part of how it happens. You see, God is not going to force himself upon us. He could if he wanted, but God will not force himself upon us. But when we ask God to search us, that's when we get to find out exactly what's in there. As I've said before, we don't always like the answers when we ask God to search us. But that's when we find out exactly what's in there. We allow God to move upon our thoughts and upon our anxious hearts. And we ask him to remove anything offensive that's within us. And when we do that, we begin to find God's purpose for us. We begin to hear a little more clearly some of those precious thoughts that God thinks about us. Some of those precious thoughts to uh, a plan to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope in the future, as it says in Jeremiah 29. And so crucially, friends, we begin to identify with God. And when we identify with God, he begins to lead us home step by step. And friends, you need to know that God is here to lead you home today. But it begins with asking him to search our hearts. He wants to lead us home, but it begins with asking him to search our hearts. Uh, would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? Um, we're going to end a little bit of a unique way today. And uh, uh, what I'm going to do is sing a song over us that centers around Psalm 139. Um, it's really cool the way the Lord uh, works things out. You know, this week that Pastor Almeida was going to be on, uh, was planned a while ago, and I didn't know exactly where it would be message-wise, but here we are finishing Psalm 139. And I'm going to sing this song over us that centers around that psalm, and it's just a way 
of allowing the truth of God, searching our hearts to wash over us. So if you came today and you're hoping that when you walked out of this place, your life was going to look different, I want to encourage you. These words are sung to ask God to search you. Ask him to reveal to you who you are and who you've been. And ask him who he wants you to be. I encourage you, friends. Ask you to lead. Ask him to lead you home. I'm give you a moment just to uh, be quiet. Uh, as you speak to God, uh, ask him to search your heart uh, before I sing this morning. Jesus, my world changed, and everything is brighter. See a picture of what I can be. My life will never flee from what I've seen. Your heart is my desire. like the child you see Where can I run from your love You search me and know all my heart If I climb to the heights you'll be there If I make my bed in hell You'll lead me Before the earth existed, you knew me. You called me to be holy. I will praise you for the way I. How precious are the thoughts you think of me Could anybody count them? They are greater than the sands by the sea Where can I run from your love? You search me and know all my Climb to the heights, you'll be there If I make my bed in hell You'll lead me the whole Lead me home Lead me home Lead me home 
Before the earth existed, you knew me. You called me to be holy. I won't praise you for the way I made. And where can I run from your love? You search me and know all my heart. If I climb to the heights, you'll be there. If I make my bed in hell, you'll lead me your home. Yes, Lord, our prayer this morning. I open up my heart. I open up my heart. Please search me through. Does anything displease you? Leave me in the way of your cross. Where can I run from your love? You search me and know all my heart. If I climb to the heights, you'll be there. If I make my bed in You'll lead me home. Lead me home. Lead me home. Lead me home. Lord, thank you that in this moment. You have searched every single one of us that has asked you to. Lord, I pray for those that may be here and maybe they had never asked you to search them or maybe it had been a long time since they did. Lord, I pray that the things that you have revealed in these last few minutes or maybe this whole time we've been talking today, maybe we've sung this song, um, what you'd reveal to them the truth about their hearts, but also, Lord Jesus, you would reveal to each one of us how precious your thoughts are towards us. And Lord, you formed every single one of us. You made us to be holy. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for who you are to us. God, thank you for the way you made us. You knit us together so wonderfully and creatively. Lord, I pray that every person in this place, as your presence is here, that they would feel your love. Lord, would you search each of our hearts every day. Reveal to us our sinful ways. Lord Jesus, help us to give those things to you every day. And God, when we ask you to search our hearts, would you lead us home uh, to your feet? Lord, thank you for this day. You had it planned a long time ago. You knew who would be here and who wouldn't, who would be watching and I pray you'd go with your people uh, as we go in a moment with your grace and your mercy. Lord, would you guide our steps supernaturally? Um, make our path straight this week. Lord, let every family that's represented in this church building this morning, um, would you let them be blessed? We thank you for your grace. Would you let it go with us? Lord, we praise things in your holy, your matchless name.
Amen. 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 Friends, thanks for coming to church this morning. You are dismissed to go. Let God lead you home this week. We'll see you uh, Wednesday night or next Sunday.